Hi, I'm Robbie Robinson. And I'm Brooks Berry. The umpires are human. The coaches are volunteers. No scholarships will be given at the end of this podcast. This is Playing Time. This isn't fun anymore. This is Playing Time, a podcast about parents navigating youth sports. Let's head back to the studio and Brooks Berry and Robbie Robinson. Hey, Daddy, when can we ride our bikes together? All right, everybody, welcome in. It's good to have you back with us as we drop our fourth edition of Playing Time, episode four. This would be the Return of the Jedi edition, Brooks, for those that are Star Wars fans. If you haven't listened to our first three, we invite you to download those and listen to us. Subscribe as we're now on iTunes, and we look forward to that. If you have any questions email-wise, we have an email address now. It is playingtime.com dot podcast at gmail.com so if you have any stories you want to give us any questions or any topics you want us to talk about playing time dot podcast at gmail.com as always we begin with a story this time brooks you've got it the floor is yours all right robbie i want to take you back to 1996 it is uh High school basketball. I'm playing for Patrick Henry High School in Roanoke, Virginia, and I played for a legendary coach in Woody Deans. Woody Deans won two state championships in Virginia, coached NBA guys, George Lynch, uh, Curtis Blair, who played for the Rockets and now is an NBA referee. If you turn on the TV, I don't think he's made the finals as a referee, but he, he's a regular NBA referee. Curtis Staples, uh, the all-time UVA three-point shooter, so a lot of good players. Had a great career. And was really uh, one of us, one of the standout high school coaches in that area. So it was his last home game. Um, he was being recognized. We had a great game. We won the game at the end. It was a celebration. We were honoring Woody Deans, and we're walking off the court. And it's your typical high school gym. So you leave, you go by the bleachers, and there's one door, and you're going back into the old uh, locker room. You know, the old locker room. And who's waiting at the door? But a dad. A dad of a young man who got didn't get to play as much as this dad had liked. So here Woody turns the corner. He's happy. And next thing you know, it's almost fisticuffs. Uh, and I, Woody wouldn't – Coach Deans wouldn't fight the man. But this guy was enraged over his son. And so the thing we're going to unpack today, the scenario, is how does a parent, a dad, approach a coach – and when is the appropriate time to do it? And we talked about how youth sports just, it's almost like a, it's like crack cocaine. It tears your body up and gives you emotions you never thought you'd ever have. And you need, there's times when you want to talk to the coach. There's times when it's appropriate to talk to the coach. But there's also times when it's not appropriate to talk to the coach. And for you, Robbie, you're in a little different scenario now because you're actually the coach of your son but at one day you're one day you're going to enter into the the scenario where you're going to let riley go he's going to be playing sports baseball is his favorite sport in middle school and you're going to be in the bleachers and your stomach's going to be in knots oh it'll be absolutely and i think for this particular podcast approaching the the conversation with the coach i'll start off i for me, I'm always flabbergasted by this, by the parents that are approaching the coach. And I know you were at ground zero with it as an athletic director at a middle school and a high school. So you had all these parents. It was a private school, so most likely people of means. And when you have means, you have the opportunity to move your kid through different yep. phases of lives. And whether they're 
talented enough to get there on their own or maybe your means gets them more practice and more tutoring than the average kid. So you are heavily invested, not only emotionally, but also financially in these kids. And all of a sudden, if things don't go the way you want, what are you doing? Like what, what is, you made the point in the first podcast we did, what is at the top of this ladder that you're traversing with your kid? And, and to me, I, I want Riley to be able to handle things on his own. So I, I'd like to sit here and say, Brooks, I'd never see myself in a situation in approaching the coach uh, on my own when Riley has not done so himself, or even if Riley has done so himself, because I think at the end of the day, the kids have got to learn to fight their own battles. And the big question I have is, you know, I'll ask you this, maybe this would be the first one off the gate is, when is that time that you think the kid should fight his own battle? What age? Is it age six? Is it age eight? Is it age 10? Is it forever? Because for me, I... I think I would always, I'll tell my grandkids and I'll, I, the way we would handle it in my house is you always have to go to the coach yourself before I go in. That is your job to do and not mine. That is a great question. And, and it's one that I think over time transitions uh, to where uh, by the time you're in high school, you better be able to talk to the coach and work through your own situations if you're a, a, an athlete. Unfortunately, in today's time, that's not the case. How prevalent is it? Oh, my gosh. When uh, you were, I mean, be honest, when you were in middle school uh, AD, how prevalent was it in high school AD? How often did you talk to parents? Is it a lot? Is it a little every now and then? Well, I've been in two different schools. One was a day school and one's a boarding school. The psychological makeup of a parent at a day school and a boarding school is different because when you send your kid to boarding school, you're kind of letting him go. Mm-hmm. Where a day school is a lot different. So the day school situation, usually um, a really upset parent would would call the AD or the coach before their child really worked through that with the coach. And how would you work that out? What would be – tell me your standard order of operation. Well, the, the, the canned answer for a parent is this. Okay, we have a policy here in our athletic department that anytime there's an issue – it needs to be handled between player and coach first and foremost. And if they can't resolve the issue, then I think it's appropriate for a parent to then contact the coach and see if you can work it out. And if they can't work it out, the administrator can step in and try to help. So now, what it, were the it doesn't scenario? always go that what way. Were the scenario? Was it 100% playing time? <laughs> well, the root, that's why the podcast is named this, but the root of all issues in youth sports is playing time. Mm-hmm. Now, other things, there's other side issues, but you can funnel the majority, I shouldn't say all issues, the majority of the issues, you can funnel it back to playing time. Because there's a crazy transformation that happens, and you're going to go through it here soon, is that youth sports, before they get to scholastic sports, so I call it the private sector, parents can choose the team they want to play on. Right. For the most part. You know, I don't, I don't like this little league, so I'll play in that little league, and I think... Johnny, you know, is better off in, on playing for Coach Smith rather than Coach Johnson, and they can kind of figure out how to go. When you get into scholastic sports, usually you choose a school for the school, and you hope that you, you choose athletics as well, but it's not just athletics, and so you're kind of beholden to the institution and the program they have in place. And it's different. In the private sector, um, a guy that pitched at UVA like yourself can take time and coach Little League. 
most schools, to me, the best-run scholastic athletic departments have teachers in the building that are with the kids all day. They know the culture of the institution, and they're coaching them as well. Well, lots of times they're not as they're not UVA baseball pitchers, and so uh, parents are, are have gone from paying money and having this really dynamite coach to maybe they're having you know Joe Smith that's also a history teacher and. You know, coaching baseball isn't his, the number one priority in his life, or was it, it his passion? Not that he's getting paid a couple thousand bucks to do it. Exactly. Or sometimes they're not getting paid at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just part of their the requirements of uh, their teaching uh, contract. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it um, playing time is the root of it, but it uh, it, uh, it can twist and turn and be so many different things. But as an AD. I always wanted to tell the parents this. Listen, let me partner with you through this process so we can help your your young person, girl or boy, grow up through this process. And how we do that is the first thing they've got to do is they've got to go talk to the coach. They've got to – The player. The player. They've got to be able to – Would that happen? Um, well, as an AD, you're not at every – you're, sure. you're not there all the time. So it, it, lots of times it would. Mm. Um, I mean – for my son now, when he's having, he's not as you know, he plays sports, but he doesn't. He's not as emotionally tied in. But when he's having issues with a teacher, we tell him you need to go talk to your teacher. You know what? He doesn't go talk to his teacher. He's in uh, fifth grade, and so he's still working through those things. But as uh, you get older, it, it it needs to happen more. And so I think as the young person gets older, they more and more handle their own battles. Do parents have the right? to question the playing time their kid gets? Um, I mean, parents always have a right to question, but... The parent, um, do the parents have a right to approach the coach? I don't, I'm, I'm going to go way on the spectrum on this. I okay. don't think they do. I really don't. I, I don't think they do. They have the right to take their kid, I guess, out of whatever team at you know, when they feel like it's healthy for them to take their kid out. I'm someone that would never want to quit a team. So if you have a bad coach and it's a bad playing time situation... I would be one that would let would make Riley and Lucy go through the whole thing. And you're going to have to go through the whole year. You're going to have to learn how to do this. You're going to have to learn to be in a bad situation. And next year, we're going to take a step back and we'll look at going at a different team or playing a different sport. That's I don't ever see a scenario where I think it's okay for a parent to confront the coach. No, I agree with you 100%. When I say they have the right to question, in their mind, they can question. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they can get on the cell phone with the dad, the the dad that they watch the game with and moan and groan all day long. Yeah, but do they have the right to contact the coach and say, hey, you know, uh, and it's never, it's never, uh, hey, I I want Johnny to pitch more. It's, it starts getting into strategy and if you ought to do this and he does so much better if he starts rather than comes off the bench and I, I know you're the coach and I'm not a parent who ever does this but <laughs> I, I've just seen this and I wanted to let you know that I don't think a parent should do that I think they should just like you said sit back it's only a three-month window of this young person's life it's a chance for them to fail bump skin their knee, bumps, bruises, skin their knees emotionally and figure out how to get up and keep fighting and grow through that process. I think that's so wise what you just said. It is a three-month win. And think about where you can take that and apply it to later on in your life. I mean, Because sooner or later, I guess I would ask, if parents do that, if, if, a, if I'm talking to a parent and, and me, I'm 
the last person that's ever going to get in an argument with a parent or try to. And they're like, I just, I like talking to the coach. I think it's important that he knows where I stand and he's playing my son. I'd say, well, at what point are you going to stop doing that? Like, are you going to stop doing that in high school? Are you going to stop doing that in college? Are you going to call his boss? Are you going to call his wife if he's up? When, when is that going to stop in his life where he is going to be on his own to fight his own battles and to make his own case? And the other part of it too, and you've been around athletics and at many different levels. I tell you what, a kid goes up to the coach and makes his case. I guarantee the coach is going to give him a much wider berth, oh right? I mean, even in high school, yeah. if a kid's terrible or the last kid on the bench and he goes up and says, coach, I really want to work hard and be short and play shortstop. I think I should be playing shortstop. The coach is going to give him opportunities to either fail there or succeed there much more than he ever would if a parent comes in and talks to oh, him. Oh, and as an AD, I would, if I knew, if a parent called me and just said, hey, our, this is happening, I'm, we're upset, I would say, okay, let's get your son to talk to the coach. But then I would grab the per young kid in the hallway and say, hey, I've been watching. I wouldn't tell them their parents called yeah. me. I've been watching. It looks like you're struggling a little bit. You know, here's some strategies. And maybe you can get more playing time. Go tell the coach. You know, ask him how you can get more playing time. What can you do to help the overall team be successful that you're taking ownership of the group becoming better? And the coach will love that. I love my Little League team. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, is one is my pride and joy. We weren't even very, we weren't great this year. We we're like a 500 little league team, and this one I just got done coaching this best spring. We were, I, we got a terrible draw in the pool, and we were didn't make to the knockout round. But I'm telling you, Brooks, these kids mean a ton to me. Well, uh, there was one kid that was not as consistent in making games and practices as the rest of the team because he had another sport that he had to go to, and mm -hmm. that was frustrating to me because I'm a baseball guy and it's spring, and I think you know, give me a couple months here and let the other sport take a little bit of a dormant season. If you have a big game and you're going to miss a practice, that's fine. But to leave one of my games and go to another game is a little frustrating to me. So, so needless to say, in the hierarchy of, of my love of my players with Riley being number one <laughs> and the other kids being two through 11, it probably was at the latter part of that. At the end of the year, towards the end of the year, he comes up and says, coach, I'd really like to pitch. That's a big deal. I mean, pitching. And, and the, this the is boy the, came up and the said. The boy came up and said, he said, Coach, I'd really like to pitch, or I'd like to have a chance at pitching. And this is a kid that hasn't had more than two. I mean, none of them have more than two sentences of conversation with you. I mean, yeah. it's not like they're, hey, Robbie, how was your day? And, and you said, Johnny, get out of here. I said, I said let me tell you something, <laughs> Pele. We're not going to. But you know what? And so a, a million reasons where I would be like, you know what? I'm just not going to grant you that because of five or six different I thought to myself and sure enough the last game he pitched we put him out there and he got to do it and it's hopefully something he'll remember and I didn't do it a lot but he came up and it was even so even that person who isn't ranked really super high and I want to make sure I get him the great baseball experience all he did was ask yeah I mean how many coach I would bet if you brought coach Mike Rhodes in here from VCU and said hey a kid walked in he shut the door in my office and said he's a walk on and says coach I really want to try to be the number two guy off the bench. Tell me how to do that. He would get more of a berth than maybe the kid whose parent calls and says, coach, my kid should be playing more. And I think that should be advice to parents. And you know, in the high school level, I guess that would be my, am I, am I dreaming that that happens in the high school level? Or would you think a coach, even in high school, would be more receptive to that? I think a coach at every level is receptive to that. Just a, a person on their team that wants to make the team better and wants to come to the coach and say, how can, you know, if, especially if the player says, how can I make the team better? 
Right. And coach, I'd like to be a part of that equation. The coach is going to love that. If a, if a player comes in and says, coach, I just disagree with what you're doing and approaches it like that and says, I deserve more playing time, that can go sideways. A great story when I was playing at West Virginia, this is one of my favorite stories, is, is our starting center uh, was suspended for a game. So my roommate got to start, and he was a walk-on big guy. We were at Rutgers. He played phenomenal within his capabilities. So he didn't score any points, but was in positional defense, drew charges. The team played great with him in there. We get back to Morgantown, West Virginia, and he's like, I'm going to go talk to Coach Catlett because I think I deserve to have more playing time. And so he went up in the office for practice one day, and uh, we're all getting ready in the locker room. He comes back in. He's white as a ghost. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Tom, how did that go, man? And, <laughs> and I, I, at that level uh, where the coach's job's on the line, it's a little different. Sure. I think deep down our coach loved the fact that I've got a guy that wants it mm-hmm. and is, is, is wants to give over his sacrifice for the team. But at the same time, I don't know if he approached it. The time of it wasn't the best and how he approached it wasn't the best. I want to change gears on you, though. Well, then, well, let me, yeah. okay, let me, well, let me finish, yep. and, then, and then I'll throw it back to you, and then we can come back. So I think, and we've talked a lot in the first three podcasts. This is not, we're not preaching. There's not sermon notes. We don't even want to have takeaways. But I do think you and I are both in agreement that if you, the advice we would give you, whether your kid's six years old or whether your kid's 26 years old, is have that kid go to the coach and say, Coach, I'd like to make the team better, and this is one way I'd like to do it. How yep. can I do it that way? And much more so than the parent doing it on its own. So yeah. go for it. And, and if if you are irate over playing time. And I, and and, so before and, we change gears, yeah. can we can we jump into that? If you have to do it, if yeah. you if the for whatever reason the the player coach relationship is bad or as you've said before we went on the air that maybe the player is scared of the coach or What's the correct way, as opposed to the, hey, I'm not one of those parents, coach, and I don't want to be the guy that does this, but what's the right way to do it? Yeah, and there's certain teams, the younger you are, I'm in favor of more equitable playing time. for Right. You know, and even when I coached a postgraduate basketball team, I tried to make sure everyone had hope that they were going to get to play. That would be my advice to coaches that aren't their jobs aren't on the line for wins and losses is try to make sure everyone feels like they're a part of the team and if you're coaching sixth grade basketball you should probably try to get everyone in the game let's say you have a coach that's coaching your child's eighth grade youth basketball team and he only plays five guys and the other six just sit there the whole time Um, and you feel like this isn't being handled properly Um, the first thing you don't you don't want to go up to the coach right after the game as Abraham Lincoln did, he wrote a letter, put it in his back pocket, and sat on it for 24 hours, and then he decided to mail it. But I do think there's a the appropriate way to do it is not via email. Don't send the coach an email. I think it's fine if you call them and talk to them or have a ideally face-to-face and just say, you know, maybe after practice or it's not as emotionally charged in a game. and just Imperative that the kid is there with you? Um, and that, and if in certain situations, I don't know if the child needs to be there with you. Okay. Um, but I, before you have done that, I would encourage your eighth grader to go to the coach still and say, coach, 
how can I get more playing time? Which is going to be tough for an, uh, excuse me, I said eighth grade, eight year old. Yeah. It's going to be tough. But if you feel like it's imperative that you want to tell the coach your feelings, even though it's a three month window of time, I think face to face in a more relaxed setting and approach it from the standpoint that I really appreciate you spending the time coaching these young people. Um, how can Johnny get more playing time? Because it seems to be that we're only we're only playing you know one third of the people on the team, and he comes home every night. He wants to play. He wants to be a part of the team. So I think we've talked about it from the kids' standpoint. Go in and say, Coach, how do I make the team better? You can do that from age six to age twenty-six. Parents, don't get them after a game. Don't send an email. Come after practice or set up a meeting after practice. From a coach's standpoint, especially from a youth coach's standpoint, when you're a volunteer and you've got your kid, here's a couple of just thoughts that I try to do. And I'll be honest with you, like, I'm very blessed. I've been doing this now. Brooks, I mean, Riley's 11. He's been doing it since five. So six years and maybe 15 to 17 teams. And I've had maybe one, maybe two parental problems. And one was a buddy of mine that just was just, (laughs) just had to, you know, he had just added out. Uh, And the other one was the guy called me when I was in Nantucket on a vacation (laughs) and was anyway, but here's what I would tell you. At the, you've got to be very organized and very upfront from the very beginning of your time. And so the most critical time I've always felt is immediately after the teams are announced, you send an email, don't make it a 17 paragraph email, but send an email, say, we also are going to meet as a group uh, in the first practice. I want the kids there. And you have something that's planned out to talk about. This is the way we run things. These are my expectations. Parents is what I do. I play the best five guys and the other six guys don't get to play. And that's the way we do it. And that's how my team runs. And if you don't like that, you can talk to me at any point in time. And if you stay organized that way and continue to communicate with parents throughout the entire season that way, don't let off the gas on communication. I would, I don't want to guarantee it, but I think your odds of not having parental conflict are going to go way low. You're not going to have as much parental conflict. If you say be there at 445 because it's a 530 game, you got to be there at 445. You can't be showing up at 505 or 510 when you had six or seven kids that got there at that 445 time. I mean, that is something that is important to me that I'm always, I mean, I'm hustling. I'm taking off my tie. I'm putting on (laughs) shorts in the car, all those things. And I think if you do that, if you set those, whether you played Division One college athletics or you were just, just love the game and love coaching your kid, if you have that organization, that communication, and that straightforward confidence, your parental complaints are going to go down, I think. I agree 100%. With the exception at the, of the professional level, which we're seeing parents creep into that some, the word I use now more than ever, if you want to coach – is you are getting into a partnership with the parents. Mm -hmm. And you need to approach it like that. You can't just say, I want to coach the kids. Parents, get out of the way. In 2019, it's not going to work that way. So you need to have a parent meeting. You need to be approachable. But at the beginning of the year, you need to lay down the vision and standards for your team so there's clear communication. Communication is a key word. And the parents, it things go better, too, if the parents feel like they can approach you. And so I think you're very wise in how you uh, uh, organize your team. All right, you want to change gears. So there's got to be times when it is appropriate to go talk to the coach. Mm-hmm. And Because, um, Robbie, you're going to be a dad that's not coaching his son, and uh, you're going to call me here in a few years and say, I've got to talk to this coach. And so there are scenarios where I think – it is appropriate to go talk to the coach. If you ever feel like you're 
child is not being shaped and molded in the way that you feel is is a positive growth uh, in their life. I think that's appropriate if they're using language that you don't approve of or anything of that nature. Now, it can't be I'm upset over those things, but the root of it is really he's not getting playing time. Um, Because, like I said, a lot of times it comes back, Johnny's not playing, so I'm going to find the seven other things that Coach Robbie's doing wrong and pick him apart for that. Really, my guts are churning because he's not playing. Mm -hmm. But I do think if if it's an environment that's not productive for your child, I think it's okay to talk to the coach. And hopefully coaches that listen to this understand partnership is a key word because parents need to feel like they can approach you. Do you ever have instances of kids being bullied on teams and you had to deal with parents that way? How'd you deal with it? I, th- I think the bullying thing is such a, gosh, it's such a hard putt. Uh, it's, it is, uh, there's all there. The, I have had issues of bullying, um, uh, minimal, thank goodness. Uh, if coaches are, are trained and skilled and, and really, uh, uh, keeping the, their eye on the flock of sheep, then I think they're at their minimal, but, um, uh, those are that's another podcast. All right, we'll do that because right. you got to really unpack that one. All right, so we have questions, Brooks. We have a question, and I, yeah. I think we we actually got one from a, a listener, and I wanted you to kind of fire away. You can also email us questions. You can email us at playingtime.podcast at gmail dot com. So if you want to email us a question or you have a story you want us to talk, we're always thinking about topics. Brooks and I are texting topics back all week long. So playing time dot podcast at gmail.com is the way to get us uh, a question so robbie this question it comes from ashley in charlotte north carolina and her daughter is a swimmer okay and swimming is a unique sport because they practice in the morning they practice at night i mean swim coaches have, have managed swim coaches they can't have their athletes in the water enough and they really push their athletes they care for their athletes but they really push them hard So, Ashley had a conversation with her coach this past week, and it centered around uh, the topic of youth sports, a lot that we've been talking about. And she says the coach scheduled a coffee with her because she wanted to talk about her daughter's goals. Her response was, "Um, I've, I've already lived my athletic dreams, so you need to talk to my daughter about that. Um... And her main question is, are coaches making the parents more involved in 2019, especially in year-round sports? I think in year-round sports, that usually involves some significant money and dollars. So I think the natural inclination is to go to where the dollars are and where the client is. And the client, in this case, is the parent and not necessarily the student. And so I think the answer would be, yeah, I think they do involve in some cases in other cases, it doesn't. I know with our travel coach in baseball, I don't get the sense at least now I talk to him all the time. So I probably don't get a good view of it because I'm an assistant and we just, I mean, we just joke back and forth. So I don't know how much he's going to these other coaches, but I do. I mean, if put yourself in their shoes, if you're a travel coach, wouldn't you want to involve the parents as much as possible? Because the more that you have them involved, the more likely they're going to be continuing customers and there's more dollars out there for you to receive. Yeah. And a lot of parents nowadays, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, they're more concerned with their, the arc of their child's oh, absolutely. Uh, development than the child is. So parents are all or coaches are always trying to feel out the parents. I think Ashley's response to the coach was perfect. Mm-hmm. 
But nowadays, when you coach, that's I, hard though. I mean, Ashley, that's a hard work for Ashley to have that response because if a coach came to me and said, "Hey, what are Riley's goals or what are Lucy's goals?" I'd immediately just throw up all <laughs> over them. Yeah. What the goals I think they should be for my son and for my daughter, and yeah, and I, it would be very difficult for me to say, oh, "You need to talk to Riley and Lucy about that and ask them what their goals are, and then we can go from there." Yeah, I. Um, I I've been guilty as a coach of I had a, a, a basketball player that was very challenging. And this was preseason, and I knew we were getting ready to head down the road of the regular season. So I called his dad and said, can we go out to lunch because I want to learn more about your son. Now, it wasn't centered around goals and scholarships. It was me trying to figure out how can I get the best out of him. Right. Um, the, this dad was one of the best dads I've had as a, a, as a coach. And his response was, you got it, coach. You know, you can get on my son as much as you want. I don't, I'm not wrapped up in how many points he scores or whether he plays. You just coach him because I'm glad you're coaching him and, and whatever happens, happens. But uh, uh, as, a, as a coach, especially in year-round sports, when someone's paying you to coach their child, I think coaches nowadays are talking to parents more because uh, it is a partnership now. It's a transaction. <laughs> um, quick story that doesn't have anything to do with that. Lucy's doing swim team. All so right. she, this is the first real team that she's on, and I'm excited about it, and she's excited about it. She's eight years old, and she was put on the team. And she was, she's a beginner, so she's on a little bit of the beginning team. So there's a lot of paddle boarding, and there's a lot of different exercises that the older kids aren't doing. But this goes back to what we talked about a couple podcasts ago about trying to pay some attention to the other child when so much of my youth fatherhood is wrapped up in old yeah. number 42 there that throws, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that throws the fastball. Uh, so I email, I emailed the coach and I think, I, th I feel like this, I, th I want to get a healthy or no healthy <laughs> buzzer on this one for you. Yeah. Emailed the coach and said, Hey, Lucy's on the team. She's, I would love to progress a little bit and maybe you know, catch up a little bit with kids her age. Uh, can you give me some workouts that we can do at the pool? when I go because she sees me hitting off the tee with Riley all the time and Riley get your shoulder up or Riley finish. Yeah. And I, I can imagine how tough that might be for her when we don't have that similar experience. So I emailed and said, Hey, can you give us some drills that we can do at the pool together? And, and so we did that healthy. Think? I think it's healthy to do that. I would encourage you to at the same time, develop a face to face relationship with this coach. So they really get to understand who you are. Right. Cause emails, they can't, they don't know, all right, is this dad over aggressive? Where is he coming from? Is he going to be emailing me all the time? Is, right. Are these positive emails going to turn into, okay, her times are going down. What's going on, coach? Right. And so, um, no, you don't run up to him and after practice in an aggressive way, but encourage. I encourage you to get to know the coach. And the coach, if they're a mature coach that's done a long time, will want to have a partnership with you. The father was in the hallway with the legendary coach. It was before we got to the hallway. We hadn't even cleared the arena yet. <laughs> just, just, I mean, they just had given him yeah. the rocking chair. And yeah, just, yeah. And there and, he is. And that's one of many stories where I've seen. I've had it happen to me. I've had a dad run across the court right when the buzzer sounded in a middle school basketball game in Charleston, South Carolina, when you and I lived down there, and came right over and was upset because his son didn't get to play. It's all about playing time. That's Brooks. I'm Robbie. Thank you for listening. You can email us at playingtime.podcast at gmail.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you on your next episode.